Welcome to Chinese Chippy Girl, episode 9. My name is Georgie Ma, Ma Puyu, and I am your host. By the way, I've received so many messages about my last episode with my sister, episode 8. And I'm so happy that it brought back some nostalgic memories for some of you working in Takeaway, especially when we spoke about the potato chopper. In this episode, I'm parking the takeaway chat and I'm going to focus on something that's made really big news this year and that's Blackout Tuesday. It's coming up to the six month anniversary of Blackout Tuesday and I thought I would speak to my good pal Wendy who is black and she talks to us about whether she thinks Blackout Tuesday has had any impact on the black community or if it's just a trend. But before I let you listen, I just need to do a little bit of self-promotion here Please don't forget to subscribe to Chinese Chippy Girl on whatever pod you're listening to this on. And if you don't already follow me on Insta, come and find me, Chinese Chippy Girl. And if you do like this episode and maybe some of the other ones before, please share them with other people and tag me. Okay, enough about that. Here's my gorgeous pal, Wendy. Okay, so I'm not quite ready to let you listen to the full episode yet. I actually recorded this episode with Wendy a few weeks ago and I've had it waiting to be published for a few weeks. But since we recorded, there's been two instances that have happened which I feel is really important to discuss this on the topic of Black Lives Matter. So the first one is Sainsbury's launched their Christmas ad a few weeks ago. There's three adverts that they released or they published and one of them caused a massive stir. The ad which I am referring to is the one that's called Gravy Song where they feature a black family getting excited over their Christmas plans. I don't even know how to say this without getting angry and teary and frustrated because the ad featured a black family it caused so much controversy that many people believe it wasn't even representing Britain. I mean, some comments included, where are the British people? And for me, it's really frustrating because I'm Chinese, I'm a person of colour, and basically saying that someone like me can't even be British. And just taking a step back, you know, I, I was born here and... Not just me, but there's a lot of black people and people of colour that were also born here as well. And they are British. They went to school here. They're probably paying their taxes. They've got an English or, sorry, a British accent. I mean, what more do you want? Other comments included that Sainsbury's have alienated the white customers, which I completely disagree. If anything, it's shown a really good example of the diversity of the UK population And people who commented saying there's only 3% population of blacks, which, okay, it's true. But did you know there's around 2 million black people living in the UK? And another thing which I need to address, and Wendy actually messaged me about this because it hasn't really made headline news in the UK, is that in France they have proposed a new law to criminalise anyone publishing photos of police without their consent. And this has led to so many protests in Paris. And a few days ago, a music producer who is black, called Michel Seckler, was beaten by several police officers for being black. 
Now, the attack was filmed by CCTV and some witnesses via their phones, where the footage has been widely shared. But imagine if the new law to protect the police officers had come into effect. There's no way that Michel Seclay would be freed, as the police would have made up some sort of BS that he started it. And it's why there's such a large demonstration in Paris to stop this new law from happening, as it would mean police beatings will go undiscovered. And the main story here is the violence was acted by police officers because Michel Seclay is black. It just shows that systematic racism is still 100% alive and it's why we need to keep the BLM movement going to keep supporting black people. Which reminds me, to everyone who posted a black square drawn Blackout Tuesday on the 2nd of June, which we'll come on to later with Wendy, my guest, are you aware of the racism that is still happening on black people? If so, are you still supporting Black Lives Matter? Have you called out racism that you have seen or heard? Have you been taking time out to educate yourself on black history? Did you read or hear the comments that people made on the Saintsbury's advert and did you do anything about it? Because if no, and you posted the black square, then I'm afraid you were just following a trend. Posting a black square means nothing if you haven't continued to support black people when they need your support now more than ever. So Wendy, thank you so much for joining me on Chinese Chippy Girl episode nine. For the listeners out there, Wendy is the first person who I've interviewed as my guest and Chinese chippy girl who is actually a friend not saying that all the actually that sounds really bad I'm not saying that all the other people who I've who I've interviewed are not friends I've interviewed my sister but what I'm trying to say is you're the first person who I've interviewed who I've met before and obviously you know we're friends and everything and um, the reason how I know you Wendy is because our partners are like friends as well and I'm friends with your partner Aki Thomas Uh, (laughs) hey Aki (laughs) and Aki Aki also uh, so a a few years ago my partner you and your partner Aki they used to do uh, a radio show together as well and Aki you always used to give me a shout out um on on KMR radio so anyway so hello Aki (laughs) back to you um so Wendy I'm just going to put you on the spot here would you like to introduce yourself to all the listeners out there who you are where uh, you're from all those sort of things right uh well I'm Wendy and uh, yes I'm French uh with a mixed background basically as a black woman my parents are from the Caribbean the French Caribbean island called Guadeloupe so they moved to France uh, in um, in the late 70s and I was born in Paris. And so by that, I was also French. But it's a quite a weird thing because Guadeloupe is still France. It's a France overseas island. Um, but yeah, so I was born and raised in, uh, in, sorry, in Paris for 20 seven years almost and then I moved four years ago to London and um, I've been to London I've been here for four years and I love it and yeah (laughs) yeah I think this is it this is it about me wow yeah would you say there's a big black community in Paris 
like would you say the black community is, is like bigger than the black community in London or do you think there's not really much difference? Um, I would say it's quite similar uh, in the sense that um, there is so many similarity in the, in the history in the fact that after the World War II, there was like a huge migration of people from Africa and also the the Caribbean island in France and basically in big cities such as Paris. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so Paris in the suburb has a really huge um, uh, black community. And there is like there is some similarity with London, like you have the equivalent of Peckham, you have the equivalent uh, equivalent, sorry, of um, Dalston. It's mm-hmm. it, for me. I feel like it's home, but it's not home. Um, uh, so yeah, so yeah, it's quite really similar, basically. Wendy, I think one of the reasons why I was so keen to speak to you is because. Obviously, we are both people of color. Uh, yeah, we we are both we were both born and raised in predominantly white communities. Yeah, um, I'm Asian. You're black, and and the reason why I really wanted to speak to you is because on the second of June, a massive campaign all over the world happened. Blackout Tuesday was a, a campaign that was set out by two black women who worked in yes. Atlantic. Atlantic Records called Brianna Adjamine and Jamelia Thomas. And this is in response to some of the absolutely horrific killings of some very innocent black people in America, George Floyd, Ahmed Arbery, and Breonna Taylor. Mm. And obviously there's much more as well. They're just like three of the names. And yeah. I guess for um, Brianna Adjamine and Jamelia Thomas, they basically wanted to ask black Americans to not buy or sell on this day on the 2nd of June because they wanted to create an economic strength and unity on this day this is where we saw the black squares and within two days there was 28 million black squares that were posted across social media just in those two days which I think it created so much noise particularly on that day there was individuals and organizations that were posting this black square and I think some organizations had stopped trading because they wanted to educate themselves on the racial discrimination on the um oh what's that word called systematic racism that's happening you know there were so many there were so many things that were happening and and it was so powerful on that on that specific day but then we're approaching the six-month anniversary of Blackout Tuesday and I'm just curious to know what you think Wendy as an individual and as a as a black woman what you think the impact has had on you and on the black community I think for me um it hit me as a trend because it was social media and my relationship with social media is a bit weird because yes, we are living in a world where social media uh, is everywhere, but I try to use social media to keep in touch with people and not pretending to live a life that I don't have. So for me, uh, this Blackout Tuesday was another trend and I was wondering how long it will last. And 
I didn't expect it to have a huge impact on me, but actually it did. I was more um, like shocked or like disturbed by the the attitude of certain uh, organization, and and I was just like, why are you doing it when you know that you're not being doing it before, and you're not doing the right way you're supposed to do because I think it was for for people they were like okay the black square is everything and it was not just everything there was like a work to do behind it and there was you were supposed to take the time to reflect on what is black basically what what is this main issue and a lot of people thought that just a black square was everything and it was not and I was really disappointed by that mm. and and yeah and in the world that we're living in like with this huge crisis and people losing their jobs and everything I was quite annoyed for myself uh to see like some organization putting those things and putting statement that they were not actually doing and see people of color black people liking that and maybe thinking oh, well, they're doing the job. I like that. And I was like, no, you're taking praise on something that you're not actually doing. And this is quite disturbing. Mm. Uh, But yeah, I think for me, that was the main issue. Um, And with the days going after, like just the following days, I could sense that everyone that I talked to that was Black had the same word. Mm. It was exhausted. Mm. everyone was exhausted it was like emotionally everyone was drained and it was weird like that to have an a common feeling across the world across uh, like age and gender it was just because the color was the uh like the common fact and everyone had the same feeling I was just like what the hell but yeah uh I would say that following that there was some march of course and then from there there was also um like in in the UK there was black uh black month history so mm-hmm. it was quite good but i think like it takes time because you see like the talks are fading in some places and and in some places they don't want to fade like they like no we started this thing we must keep on and but it's it's not that that loud when it was like six months ago Mm. so so yeah so it goes back to it was a trend for me yeah I think as a as a non-white person and as a non-black person as an Asian person when I saw that blackout Tuesday I thought it was I thought it was really powerful on that day but on that day only I think Mm. there was a lot of a lot of noise around that though particularly with black lives matter i think that's been yeah. that's been so powerful if i can be completely honest with you wendy the black lives matter has really moved me not blackout tuesday black yeah. lives matter that's really moved Good. me and i think that's made me and i know a lot of asians who i've spoken to there's um 
there's another podcaster called uh, Fiv Yao um yeah. who is that my inspiration I talk about her so much on my podcast <laughs> she's gonna be Your like crush listen- number one. Oh my god I, totally <laughs> she's gonna be listening to this podcast and be like Georgie were you just like <laughs> you know we just shut up about that place you're embarrassing me <laughs> but hi Fiv but basically Fiv Yao like we've spoken and we both feel like the Black Lives Matter has really moved a lot of Asians. Um, mm. By the way, I'm not overshadowing Black Lives Matter at all with my Asian stories. No. Um, so basically what's happened is uh, because of really annoyingly, because of the pandemic, hate crime on East and Southeast Asian community has gone up by, I think now at least 300% since the pandemic. Oh, wow. We're being blamed for creating a virus. We're being blamed for carrying the virus we've been blamed yeah. for their people's families who've been you know he died because of the coronavirus and mm-hmm. and it's been it's been really tough and you know we see we see we hear stories you know of people getting attacked in america there's at least uh, i think three or four uh, that i've seen on social media anyway three or four um asian elderly asian people who mm. have been attacked or one woman, one elderly lady who's 90 year old, she got set on fire, but she managed to yeah. put it out. And that's because that's it, it, it was based on racial hate crime because yeah. since the pandemic. And and I guess be, because of because of this and because of the Black Lives Matter movement, it's really empowered a lot of Asians. Do you Taking a taking a step back on your childhood, Wendy, were yeah. you were you um, the only black kid in school or in your in the city? Was there quite a few of you, or were you a minority? So it, it's a weird thingy, as like, so I was born and raised in the thirteen arrondissement of Paris, calling as the uh, Chinatown, and um, so I'm living on the edge of. Uh, of it so I'm not in central of it but I'm in I would say not fancy part fancier part but it's quite uh I would say middle classes okay so it's quite white around me I was there in uh I started uh, first grade in 1996 so it was it was mid 90s and it was just like uh yes there were some black people but not that many so I was not so much a minority but I when I went to middle school my mom was like uh, I want you to go to a private school so I went to a private school and there we were literally I was uh there was two black people in my classroom and uh like I could count the black people out of the school on my uh fingers and um but weirdly enough, I was never affected by it because the way I grew up, I had my childhood friend and it was a bit like an ad for Benetton, basically. So one was um, half, like she was mixed race. Her mom was uh, Asian and her dad French. The other one, her mom was um, um, Vietnamese French and her dad was French. And the other one was Brazilian and um, her dad was French. So it was just like we were, we all had a mixed background okay. and we grew up like this. And, and, and for me, like 
my mom always wanted me to travel and connect with different people. So in a way, the way I was set was, okay, your color is different, but actually we're all in the same uh, boat and we have to go together. So Mm -hmm. I never felt like the oppression of being by myself, but Mm -hmm. I could see it because Mm -hmm. it's quite easy to see when people are not the same color as you Mm -hmm. but at the same time I was not affected by it and I would say maybe when I was in in primary school there was one time there was one kid and uh, you know when you have uh, you come from the recess you have to hold hands he didn't want to hold my hand and I was like why you don't want to hold my hand? And he was like, yeah, because you're black and you're dirty. And I was like, what? <sighs> and then, and then, but the thing is for me, like when I went to, I uh, went back home and I said that to my mom, I was like, oh really? Well, I'm going to show him if I'm dirty as well. And then I had the backup of my mom. My mom was like, there is nothing dirty with you. If he wants to see dirty, I can show him dirty basically. So I was just like, I always had like, my mom was really outspoken um, on racist stuff. So I was never afraid to tell her anything about um, something wrong happening to me. And I always knew that she had my backup. So I never felt like I couldn't say anything. So, yeah. It's amazing about your mom, like really standing up for you. And you know what? It's quite common in the Asian, in the Asian community, like for us, British Asians um now I'm I'm not speaking on every single one of them I'm just speaking from my experience and also some of the British Asians who I've spoken to and because we are the first British born generation to be born here because our parents have been have migrated um I don't know because a lot of the the, the the majority of us is that our parents couldn't really speak English and, mm. and we were brought up with silence is the solution. So I didn't have my, my mum was not like yours, you know, if it's the other way around. And someone said to me that, you know, if that kid said to me, oh, um, he wouldn't hold my hand because it's, it's brown as well, uh, because it's dirty. My mum, my she would not do what, what your mum does. She'd be like, she would say, which means, oh, just ignore him or just ignore her you know so that was so I think that's the difference between our you know maybe between our upbringing um do you think as an adult being black has affected you do you think maybe in terms of career wise or anything like that do you think it's had an impact on you well I would say no because because I think I am the master of my destiny in a way. I like to think that I choose to go where I want to go. But yeah, in a sense, when you look like when I was working in finance and when I was working in the creative world and I could see that I was not a hundred percent myself. I think this is where I feel like, like being black can be difficult because everyone you can see everyone being themselves like being like ah outspoken and do their jokes and talk about whatever but in your mind you like as a black person you're like actually mm, I'm not sure they will get this this joke and I, I, I like if I talk about like if I'm with girls and I'm talking about my 
hair daily routine like they would be like oh why you take almost two hours to do your hair this is crazy Mm -hmm. and then it would take another turn it won't be just a um, a casual conversation it would be more me explaining stuff Mm -hmm. so yes the color comes around work but differently that um I wouldn't say I felt persecuted or or it was it was harder. No, I don't think it was harder. But mm-hmm. but it's the thing is when you see stats in front of you, like actually, yes, when I was at work, there was not that many of people looking the same as me. So why is that? And and you just question yourself more. For me, I'm questioning myself more than I feel like I suffer by it, basically. Mm it's really interesting what you just said about you know it takes you two hours to do your hair so this is completely something completely new to me and at my at my previous job at kind of computing we used to do a thing called a show and tell where one person from each uh one person every Friday one person would get up uh to do like a show and tell for like 15 minutes to talk about something that they're interested in there's this girl called Nathania and she's a, a black girl and she did yeah. her show and tell on uh on on her hair and she was like the only black person there as well and she was she educated the whole room about black women's hair and yeah. she was like things that you shouldn't say to a black woman um you know is that is that your real hair yeah and and can I touch your hair? All this sort of thing. Yeah. And she educated us. And we were like, you know what? As a, a non-black person, thank you so much for educating us. We had no idea. And and I guess, and I'm guilty of it as well, because I'm quite, I'm one of those weird people where when I see something I like, I would just say them. Or, you know, like, you know, if you're, if you're walking down the street and someone's label sticking out from there. Uh, yes. <laughs> your label sticking out. But sometimes when I see someone's hair, like, you know, a black person's hair, I'm like, oh my God, your hair's amazing, you know? Or, you yeah. know, but, and maybe, and I think thinking back now, I'd, maybe I would have said in the past, like, oh my God, it's like your real hair. Is it hair extensions, whatever? But I didn't realize that, obviously, through my naivety, that that's, mm. that's not the right thing to say to a to a black person so it's all these things like we just need to keep having these conversations and I think it's really important to to have them so for example Nathania whenever I see her on LinkedIn I'll always say to her like I remember that show and tell you did on (laughs) black people's hair and it's just it just opened up my eyes so much ally the allyship is that the right word allyship between yeah like, black, yeah yeah between black people and Asians because I feel like I don't know I feel like more needs to be to be done and, and I'm not saying oh, how should I say it again I'm not overshadowing the Asian hate crime and get or comparing it to you know to Black Lives Matter I think kind of at the end of the day, racism is racism. And yeah. I think, you know, Asians or, you know, blacks or any other people of colour, we're basically being oppressed as well by, you know, white yeah. supremacists. And yeah. a few things that I've I've learned, particularly when it was Black History Month as well, you know, last month. Yeah. A terminology called yellow peril. And yeah. it's 
of a, an American terminology. So basically, around in the 19th century, there was a really big influx of Chinese people that moved to America. They moved to yeah. America. Because um, the Americans wanted to build railroads in America around this is you know around that time, and basically when they employed these Chinese laborers, um, they would have employed them for so much cheaper than yeah. the white and the black counterparts as well. So that was kind of formed part of the Yellow Peril, and then in the 1960s, the Yellow Peril was then repurposed. And there was also another revolution called the Black Panther Party. Yes. Black Power. And the Black Panther, so correct me if I'm wrong, but the Black Panther Party, it was founded by two black men, Huey Newton and Bobby Seale. Yeah. In response to the police violence and intimidation on African-Americans. Yeah, yeah. And, And I guess around that time as well, there was um, a movement called the Third World Liberation. And yeah. that was formed um, because I think there was two universities in America. Hold on, I've written this down. Two universities in America. There was the San Francisco State University and University of California, Berkeley. And what had happened was there was a lot of students, black and Asian students, weren't, they didn't have the same rights as their white students. Yeah. So then the Third World Liberation movement came across and then that's when the... Um, Yellow Peril had basically been repurposed. And then there was this uh, campaign that where Yellow Peril supports black power. And they basically joined together to, you know, kind of support each other. So that's that one um, allyship that had happened in the 60s. There's another thing as well, which I, which I only just recently found out, where blacks and Asians came together in the UK. And there was a Oh, there's a company called uh, Grunwick Thorn Processing. And basically in the <laughs> in the 80s and the 90s, we used to use them all the time. So they basically um, print photographs. So mm. they run a company called uh, Bonus Print, Double Print and Triple Print. So back then it was so old school, you're sending your negatives and then a week later your photos would come and it's just like, oh my God, these photos <laughs> have come from a holiday. And there's basically a massive dispute in the, in the 70s, in 1976, because... Grunwick um, Film Processing Laboratories, they were based in London. And back then, 80% of their workers were Asians and 10% 10 were Blacks. And it really really angered me when when I was reading up about this because the reason why they employed Asians and Blacks was because they knew that they could pay them more cheaply. So back then, on average... Workers would get paid an average of twenty eight pounds per week. Yeah, but in that in that time in it in was the seventies, yeah, and at, at that time, so on a national the national wage would be seventy six pounds per week. But wow. or, or, and the other thing is as well, just another layer. If you were a woman, your average income that week would be forty four pounds. So even taking a, a step lower, these workers, these Asian or black workers working for this factory, uh, they'll be getting 28 pounds per week. They knew, particularly, yeah. with, particularly with the Asians, they knew that, well, they had this strong feeling that they would not complain about the poor working environments. Assumption can do a lot of stuff. It's crazy. It's so bad. And, uh, oh God, it, and it, re- it really frustrated me because... yeah. Because this strike went on for for two years, if mm. anything, it it made um, it did create a, create a lot of noise. But 
after two years, you know, the workers who strike, they didn't get what they wanted. No. And I'm just thinking, so this was like, what, in the... 30 years ago? Yeah, this is like in 1976, so this is like, what, 40 years ago. And yeah. now, Wendy, we're still fighting for the, yeah. for the same thing. We're still fighting I know, for it. I know. And it's just... And it's just crazy. And I just feel like, I, I, I don't know, I just feel really sad about it. I, I feel angry, sad. and Yeah. And, but also at the same time, I feel quite uh, encouraged because I see so many Black Lives Matter movement going on. People will keep campaigning until, you know, until there's justice. So there is a lot of, of that as well. But you know what you were saying earlier, like, um there's one word to describe the whole Black Lives Matter and the Blackout Tuesday, exhausting. Yeah, and yeah. It, and it is exhausting. And, and you know what? Um, there was, oh, when was it? There was, there was an MP um, who's mixed race called Sarah Owen. And a few weeks ago, she went into Westminster Parliament um, mm. and they did a, a debate and with other MPs as well to discuss the hate crime on yeah on Southeast Asians yeah yeah and she she spoke her story and then other MPs they spoke about it's one hour it, it lasted for one hour it's not it wasn't really a debate because we weren't debating about it it's just they were just trying to create some noise and trying to get the government to take it more seriously number yeah. one I was annoyed that not a single Tory was there yeah so if the government it basically shows that you know the government they just don't really don't care. care there's other you know um members of parliament who are very passionate about black lives matter and i think as an asian i was just like you know we it would have been quite good to get their support as well but anyway that's just another tangent but the other thing was on that day wendy i felt so exhausted as well yeah, on a, on a different scale to you because it was just like, and I felt really emotional that evening. I cried yeah. for like three hours because I was a, I was happy that for the first time someone had spoken about hate crime at East and Southeast Asians, but also yeah. equally, I was really disappointed that it didn't create that huge noise or you know it was just all these other things and I, I spoke to other east and southeast asians on instagram i just asking yeah. how they were feeling and they were like this is really exhausting and i was just and then we were all saying like if we find it if we as an as an asian person finds this exhausting how how would the black people feel because the black people have experienced it the the black people have experienced it even more severely do you know what I mean? It's just, I think, yes, it is an issue because you feel like you're fighting in, against the wind. You can't see it. You just feel it. And, and no one wants to believe what you're saying. But my question is, I think the reason why you're doing it, it's not just for your own cause. It's not just for you, Georgie, Matt. It's also for your kids. It's for Sadie. And it's for everyone who couldn't do it. And I think, like, for me as a Black person, um, like, my mom did it in her way. Her mom and everyone, like, who could do something tried. And they've been trying for ages. Mm. Like, as a Black person, the main thingy that we can say uh like we started to fight is slavery 
basically. Mm. And especially because I have a Caribbean background, I can talk about slavery for days mm. because there was no black person on Guadeloupe before uh, the slavery started, like the transatlantic uh, cross started. So the reason why there is black people is because of slavery in the mm. Caribbean. There is black people because of that. And, um, and then you have to think about like, there is so many aspects with slavery that is quite deep and how it is now in the, in the society, how people and like don't know really much about slavery and they have to do research. And I think for you as an Asian person to see this prejudice against you and see that it goes across the world and you like, I can't just be sitting there and just notify that someone who looks just like me is suffering mm. I need to do more I need to search how I can help and try to create a group and then from a group you have like people who come to support so so you you start to fight without like knowing basically and and yes a fight is never easy mm. it takes energy and emotion a lot of emotion mm. but um I think it's more to do with who wants to hear you and and you get frustrated when you're like, okay, I'm doing everything that I've been asked to mm -hmm. and no one wants to hear me. And it, you have to path, basically. It's either you keep fighting or you give up. Mm -hmm. And um, I think for myself, I'm not the massive activist person, but uh, I would say that, if you do something wrong to me and it impacts other people just like me, I wouldn't shut up. So, so yeah, you, if you plug the bear, I'm here for you. And I will go until I go down. I think you've made a really good point there about what you said, like you're not, you know, you're, you're not an activist. And, and I guess you're completely right. You don't have to be actively activating or is that the right word you don't have to be like you know um like going to all the marches you don't you can you can you can do it you can do it in your own in in the, in the comfort of your own home yeah, yeah and one thing which I'm learning to do more of is whenever I see something or whenever I hear something that doesn't sit right um it doesn't even have to be about race um, no it's just to speak up about it anyway. Yeah. And, like even if it's on social media, like, you know, I'm not going to a march or anything. You can, you can still speak out then. And even just like hanging out, playing with Sadie or, you know, meeting with, um, you know, our friends, children, even educating them at an early age. That's still a really powerful thing that, that everyone can and I think should be doing because, People aren't born to be racist. They're not at all. It's society yeah. that influences them. Maybe their home yeah. bringing, the school, the people who they hang around with. They just they they just fall into that, and and I think that's why it's really important for to educate from from an early age, being prepared and being ready to have awkward conversations with people. And yeah, it's like, that's obvious. It's and it's difficult because I I'm not brought up to be confrontational, and there's been so many times where people have said something that has 
hurt me, but I've not said anything because I just don't want to confront or I just want to ignore it. And that's just the wrong thing to do. So what I'm trying to do now and and what I've been educating myself since this summer, since the Black Lives Matter movement, is just to speak up about it. So, yeah, so yeah. no, so no, I'm not going to marches. I'm not walking down the street, you know, actively, sh- you know, uh, shouting things. Yeah, you can still be able to to do it to call these things at, at home or at work. With yeah, the, exactly. With friends and even just like all these small touches, it can make such a a big impact just just start calling things out because that's the only way how the world will change it's just taking that small one percent oh honestly I can, yeah. I can talk so much about this but it's just like but I think it's fair it's fair to to start somewhere like yeah. basically a lot of people say oh you're making noise I will notice uh, you more than someone who just talk in the corner. But like, if you start a conversation, it's the beginning of the noise that you will hear later. Yeah. So, so it's not in vain, I think. And yeah. it's really important. Like for me, I think like, like, of course the hair situation as a woman, a black woman is really like uh, important. It's just like, I hate when people touch my hair. Mm. I don't mind that you compliment my hair, but like I had like at work sometimes there were some people who would come and touch my hair and I would be like, please do not. And I'm like, and then it's so weird because I had the conversation with some friends over the summer talking about that. And they're like, well, like, what do you mean? I was like, well, do you know anyone who comes straight to you? You don't know them. You don't know their name. You don't know anything. And they will come and touch your hair. And they're like, no. But that's something hap- that happens to yeah. me a lot. A lot of strangers that I don't know will come and touch my hair. And it's like, it's, it's why are you coming across your boundary and feel comfortable to touch something that is not yours? It's weird. It's like, like having conversation about something subtle as hair is can go way beyond like you Mm. can start with oh yeah the way I style my hair to talk about actually the reason why I'm doing that is because like in in the West Indies or in Africa they're doing like this and it's a trend and you you can start a long conversation that can last for hours and hours Mm. it was funny because because of this thing and Blackout Tuesday I had the weirdest conversation with MDs and and people from my firm and it was just like it was weird like it was really weird like I spent three days calling all the people of the BAME community uh, at my um, previous job. And we were talking about how they felt and then if they had any incident. And then there was some incident that came out and you were just like, oh, what the... And then there was also people saying, well, you know, I don't feel concerned about that. This is not for me. And I was like, fair enough. Like, not everyone has to say something. It's fair, but it's good to know that you how you feel basically and just connect with people I think it was quite good to do that but in um like in a work environment some some difficult conversation is hard it's still hard to do and and this is something that really annoys me and I would say now in 
many, many like application people are like, oh, I actually, uh, we try to have a panel of diversity and we want someone to champion it and, and to be able to discuss those matters. But the real question for me is like, you who are like white or, or you who never had any prejudice in your face, are you comfortable to have this conversation? Because if you employ someone who's going to have the conversation for you, it's not, it's not going to help you at all mm-hmm. because what you, you're going to learn basically. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, there is work to do, but it's, it's, it will be there. It will be there for sure. I think, I think you're right. There is so much work to do. And just when you were talking about, you know, Blackout Tuesday and having a conversation with your MDs, was, was that was that e- an easy conversation for you? Do you think it was well received as well? And the MDs, I take it, were any of them black or Asian or people of colour, whether you're white? So it was a hard conversation for me because, um, so basically on Blackout Tuesday, when I saw the post of, the company on social media I, I it didn't sit right for me I was really annoyed I cried actually and I what was do you really mean up- when they when they posted the black square is that what you're yeah referring yeah to? yeah because they post the black square but on the top of that they put some stuff uh like some line about uh fighting injustice and stuff like this like racial inequality and stuff and then I was just like wait I worked there why do I feel effect? It's because it doesn't sit right. It's not real. It's not good. And and then yeah, so I was like, the first thing that I did is like I reached out to the um, HR person, and I was like the director of HR, and I was like, I'm sorry, uh, but this thing you need to amend your post because I do understand that you want to do uh, the writing and talk about Blackout Tuesday and prove the support and everything. But there is some lines that goes with your post that doesn't sit right for me. And, and then, then there was this word that kicked coming again was BAME yeah but we're doing a lot for BAME and I I was like straight and I was like excuse me this is not BAME Tuesday this is blackout Tuesday it's the B from BAME and I'm a black person and I'm telling you how I feel Mm. and this is not right so this is the reason why I took my phone and I call you is because as a black person I'm telling you how I feel on a blackout Tuesday Mm. so if you can't hear the the thing is, it's, it's, it's sad, but it is what it is. And, and then from there, I had a conversation with my friend who told me about this incident with uh, the racist slur. And then I was like, this is it. This is, I, I can't, I can't shut up anymore. Mm-hmm. It has to be really loud. It's gone. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna burn the, 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 the building, but I'm gonna do something. And basically I just called, um, the director of communication and and then same like I was mm. there was so many emotion on that day I was crying and then she was like yeah what do you want to what do you want us to say what do you want what what is it and and like I was so in into my emotion and struggling with my emotion mm. that I basically what I did I, I couldn't talk and I was like you know what 
I would have a thousand words for you in French mm. because I'm French, but in English, nothing come out, right? Mm. And she was like, you know what? Let's have a conversation when you feel better. And I was like, okay, right. And basically, um, uh, my MD sent me a text and was like, uh, are you free on that day? I was like, yeah, I will be. And I had a conversation with another friend I used to work with. He's black and is um, the same age as me. And we were just talking about Blackout Tuesday, how we felt and everything. And I explained how I felt and what was going on. And it was like, fair enough what you did is right and it's cool that your MD wants to talk but what do you want to talk with her and then we started to like like sending like I talking about IDs and I started to do bullet points and then and then there is also this thing about having a conversation you want to be here not like oh wait oh she's angry uh she's and I'm going straight to the um, cliche of the black angry woman. So you have to control your emotion at the same time, you know. So I was like, okay, so I need to have those bullet points and make it sense. I went to see Tom and I was like, Tom, can you read that? And does it make sense? Like, can you understand that with your British mind? Because maybe it sounds so wonky because it's still in French in my head. And it was like, no, no, it makes sense. And we did like some tweak and everything. Mm-hmm. And then I had the conversation with the MD. And then it was funny because from the draft, we had a longer conversation. We had an exchange and stuff. And for me, it felt genuine. But at the same time, I'm not that dumb. I know as an MD, you're not going to say the wrong thing to to annoy me. You're going to say everything that pleased me for the sake of your business. But I felt like it was genuine for me. And I really wanted to say to her that like, they missed the point, that the point was Blackout Tuesday for a business was take the time to reflect, educate yourself, learn. Um, talk reach out to the people who are black in your business this is the time like if you had to pause and use the time the free time that you have use it properly here we are with the trend Mm. uh, black square so so yeah um and she was like yeah I hear you and I was like because that's the thing I did my search I was like I know for a fact you didn't reach out to any black people in your firm so why is that she was like well you know and she was like, yeah, I didn't feel comfortable to do so. And I was like, see, this is what I'm saying. This is the thing is that people don't feel like, don't feel comfortable to have those conversation. And imagine at, like you are at this level and you don't feel comfortable. Imagine at the lower rank, like co-worker don't feel comfortable to ask question or like there is no dialogue basically do you think since that since you had that conversation pretty much six months ago do you think that company has made a change I would say there is some stuff that changed yes they started to do some stuff and but I know that it's just like you know the the one layer uh, that you just put that is shiny and like it's one coat on your nail varnish, basically. Yeah. 
it, it's nice, but you know that you do the washing up is off. So, so it's just, it's just like, yeah, it is nice for the time being. And, and you know what, like to be positive, it is great that it happened, but, but yeah, there is some stuff moving, but is it greedy for me to say I want it to be more? I don't know. I feel like there should be more and, and there is not more. So yeah, I don't know. And this is exactly why we need to always consistently and continuously keep having these conversations because we're not trying to make an impact for one day. We're trying to make an impact forever. And this is why there's all this no justice, no peace because people, they don't want to, they don't want to do like one March or one blackout Tuesday. And then that's it. Because as you were saying, you speaking to the MD, you, you feel like it's, it's, it's created impact on, on one layer, but there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of layers. And that's why it's important to keep following up on these conversations, keep having them. Cause I've seen posts of other people saying, Oh, well, you, you know, you keep banging on about, you know, Asian for black lives. You keep banging yeah. on about black lives matter. You know, when will it stop? And, and I'm just like saying, never, never, it's never going to stop. No way. We're not going to stop banging on about it because we haven't even scraped the surface. There's still, yeah. there's still so much hate crime on so many different races at the moment. And we will never stop banging on about it until work has been done. And, I spoke to uh, a girl called Lillian, who I yeah. who I work with. Um, she's black as well, and I just asked her, like, you know, how she's how she's feeling. And yeah. I spoke to her more recently. Oh, she knows. So she listens to my podcast. Hi, Lillian. She, <laughs> she wants to have a shout out. <laughs> hi. Like, hi, Lillian. We speak quite a lot, but we spoke more about you know about Blackout Tuesday, and she actually yeah. said basically the same thing as you, Wendy. She's like. She, the world doesn't need another black square what we mm. need is continuous support because like I said 28 million people within those two days had posted a black square but yeah what are the, those 28 million people how many are still supporting the black the black lives matter movement now where are they were they just following a trend did they do anything to educate themselves and to learn more about black lives matter during black history month did any of them actually open a book and read more about you know the black culture in the UK yeah. or across the world yeah. like what have they done and that's something that she's she was just kind of like you saying like you know I, I mean blackout the blackout Tuesday yes it was powerful along with Black Lives yeah. Matter but she and maybe you and I feel like you know a lot of people just did it as a trend and that's why we need to keep banging on about this we need to keep fighting for for equal for equality before we wrap up wendy yeah you could give advice to someone on what they would what they could do to support racism if they can you can just give one advice what would you give to fight against racism 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, to fight against well, what did I just say? <laughs> support racism. To support I racism. Like, I was like, no, no, no. I won't give any advice. I think there is too many advice out there. Oh, okay. Show me. Okay. You know what? <laughs> Let, let's start. Let's start that again. Do you have any advice that you have to fight against racism? I would say educate yourself, listen, uh, be ready to be uncomfortable, basically. When you can't really be in someone's shoes, the minimum that you can do is listen to it, mm-hmm. like how they feel. And um, it doesn't mean because you don't understand like how someone receives racism at the other end that you can't listen and say, well, I hear emotion. As a human, I have also emotion. I can have some empathy towards it. And uh, yeah, I think listen is quite important. And yeah, read books. Um, Like social media can be a good tool nowadays. Sometimes like you can connect with groups and like finding a page like yours like leads to a podcast mm-hmm. and then and then yeah um I would say to the greedy one uh stop eating uh bean on toast there is Caribbean food there is jollof fries <laughs> yeah there is African food Asian food um not just takeaway go to restaurants I know that nowadays everything is takeaway anyway but, but yeah just be curious like yeah. I think I think if like you like oh yeah well um I'm not ready to have this conversation try to have the conversation with your gut and your mouth and try mm-hmm. to eat some different food and uh yeah I think yeah be be curious and respectful as well mm-hmm. like because some people when they're curious they don't put any boundaries they just go forward and like well um I just want I always had this question and I never ask it and you know as soon as you hear this introduction it's like oh I'm gonna be offended anyway (laughs) (laughs) whatever you gotta say it's gonna be a cliche or any stereotype that you had but go ahead like if someone say yeah go ahead yeah like try to formulate your your sentences sometimes yeah but I think yeah that's it educate learn, educate listen and then talk yeah, yeah yeah that's a really good thing so oh Wendy such that was such a powerful topic I think you really spoke from your heart I think you spoke from your experience uh, like for me I had quite a few notes <laughs> I was just trying to like read off but it was just good to that that saying it's good to hear from the horse's mouth and that's basically what it is so before before we go is there anything else that you want to say well what I'd like to say uh yeah no yeah lately I've been uh, working on my creole so basically is um because my parents from Guadeloupe and they speak creole over there in in the West Indies we speak um it's like the it's a language. It's not a patois. So, so I started to uh, to learn um, some Creole through a podcast, listening mm-hmm. podcast, um, 
and then also uh yeah like looking for my history like in october uh there is this um creole month day so basically they like across the caribbean so dominique saint lucia um also uh haiti and also I discovered that in Venezuela and in Trinidad and Tobago, they speak mm-hmm. Creole as well. Right, okay. And just going back to what you're saying about learning your, you know, learning Creole, which is basically your, is it native mother tongue? Is that what? You're it's it's my, yeah. actually, it's my mother tongue because your my mom tongue. speak. Yeah, because my mom always spoke to me in Creole. And weirdly enough, I never replied to her in Creole. Uh, but when we were going to Guadeloupe every three years uh, with my cousin, we had the Creole day and we were speaking Creole. And um, so, yeah, I always understood Creole mm-hmm. since I was a baby. My mom was speak to me in Creole but also French but most of the time it would be in Creole so so yeah so it's weird for me to losing my mother tongue so I was like oh Mm. I I need to keep it up because you have music but I wanted to be able to to speak because when you listen to music you can't reply it will have a conversation but yeah there is some stuff out there to help you so Um, it's quite good keep carry on fighting keep having having these conversations with everybody else who is listening as well and yeah. yeah definitely go out there and keep speaking creole and find a community and just speak creole to them and you know what even if it's not perfect i don't think theirs is perfect neither <laughs> you can, like laugh and joke about it you know because they're in the same boat so yeah um wendy it's been so lovely speaking to you but thank you very much i want to but say it's been also- so but it's been yeah, so good you. so you, you go no, 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 no. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. So we keep no. talking over each other. No, but I want to say thank you very much. And I really, really love what you're doing. And I think like, I'm really proud of you. Like, uh, like if I can say it out loud, like it, it, it's just like you took the initiative to do something that you are passionate about. And I think for me, this is something that I can be proud of, like not just as a friend, but like as a person to see someone who's standing for herself and wants to reach out to other people. This is beautiful for me. And mm-hmm. I really enjoy what you're doing. I love your mm-hmm. podcast and keep like stay passionate and uh yeah i think this is the best oh thank you right um you go but listen have a nice day and we'll chat soon okay all right no thanks so much bye Bye. no worries bye wow such powerful words from wendy thanks girl for coming on the show and it was so insightful to get your views on this So everyone, let's all do our bit, educate ourselves, listen to others and be prepared to get uncomfortable to talk about pressing matters. People won't always have the same views as you and vice versa. But if you're prepared to have a conversation about it, then it's probably one of the better ways to get both sides of the coin across and a better chance of us getting understanding rather than fighting. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. If you did, please share on your social medias and tag me. Okay, everyone, stay safe, keep your distance and wear a mask. Bye.